This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. The wild day at the B.C. legislature. Still unclear if the throne speech scheduled for this afternoon is going to go ahead. It's not really clear right now. Uh, whether or not the Lieutenant Governor Janet Austin has actually made it into the building. The building, of course, has been surrounded by anti-pipeline protesters for much of the day, not letting people in or out of the building. Now, a lot of the MLAs have managed to get inside. I barely got through and into the building this morning, into the CKNW studios uh, where I'm speaking to you from the B.C. legislature right now. But a lot of people had trouble getting in. So it's unclear whether the Lieutenant Governor has been able to make it in. I'm trying to find out for you. Meanwhile, Premier John Horgan has scheduled a news conference for 3.15 p.m. this afternoon after the throne speech. He has now canceled that. He put out a news release saying that that's canceled until further notice. Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson stepping into the void there. He says, okay, the premier does not going to do a news conference at 3.15. I will. So he's announced a, a news conference for 3.15. Andrew Wilkinson, the liberal leader. Keeping an eye on a wild day at the B.C. legislature for you. And as soon as I know, you will know uh, what's happening uh, upstairs here uh, with the throne speech uh, scheduled to take place later this afternoon. Let's talk about no-fault auto insurance now. And uh, let me introduce you to a personal injury lawyer. Uh, his name is Eric Goodman, and he wrote an open letter that he called an open letter from an ambulance chaser. This is my name is Eric Goodman. I am a personal injury lawyer, or is the NDP, and Mr. E.B. would have you believe, a greedy ambulance chaser. He pushes back at the government's new no-fault auto insurance. I thought, we better get this guy on. Eric, thanks a lot for coming on. Hey, Mike, thanks for having me. Your, your thoughts on this? this is a pretty provocative letter you wrote here, and I, I, can, you know, I can tell you're, you know, you're really fired up about what the government's doing here. Tell me your basic concerns here about what the government's been doing when it comes to the, the, the reform of the ICBC and no fault. Sure. Uh, well, there's a lot of miscommunication out there. So the, the point of the letter I wrote is to get a few facts out to the public. And, and like I say in my letter, I readily acknowledge I'm, I'm a flawed messenger. I'm well aware that many people are going to dismiss what I or any personal injury lawyer has to say. I know there are listeners who are fed up with the bus and the TV ads who think, you know, most injury claims are fraudulent anyway, and I'm little more than a, a parasite whose only purpose is to drain ICBC of its precious resources. <clears throat> but I'm confident that anyone who's had the misfortune of being injured in a car accident and either had the experience of dealing with ICBC alone or had the experience of having a lawyer help them get fairly compensated, they're nodding their head as they read my letter. And right now, the only source of information the public is getting about no fault is from politicians and from ICBC. And it makes sense to me that people should hear from those who have had firsthand on-the-ground experience with ICBC and have developed a pretty good idea of what no fault is really going to look like. And, you know, you can accuse me of having an agenda, just as I would accuse the NDP and ICBC of having one too. But, you know, these are the facts. And and facts don't have agendas. And this is what the public and some of these medical groups need to understand. Right. Uh, David Eby has produced a beautiful, glossy brochure about all the benefits injured people are going to have access to once no fault kicks in. Now, right. when Eby first introduced the injury caps last year, he touted an increase in no fault treatment benefits from 150000 to 300000 And weekly disability payments went up as well. 
that all sounds very generous. And it certainly distracted from the fact that in return, someone who suffers a brain injury now may only be entitled to a maximum of $5,500 in compensation. But there's even smaller print here to consider. When asked how many times ICBC paid out the full $150,000 to an injured claimant the year before, Mr. Eby had grudgingly acknowledged that the number was 42. 42 out of tens of thousands of claims. And now Mr. Eby's shiny new diversion is the talking point that benefits will now increase to $7.5 million. Well, why not make it $15 million? Because the figure he's throwing around is neither here nor there for 99.9% of people, and it's being used to distract the public from what's really going on. Right. The, seven, he, the 7.5 million is a maximum, a maximum, maximum. a maximum limit. And right. I guess presumably if you were catastrophically injured in a brutal crash and end up as a paraplegic or something, presumably you'd be in line for a big payout, maybe like that. But like you say, the vast majority of cases we obviously fall under that cap. But sure. do you think that do you think the government's kind of using that kind of that kind of talking point, oh, we're going to pay you $7.5 million if you're injured in a car crash to kind of distract people? Well, that's right, because let's yeah. talk about what no fault means. And, and just okay. to correct you on that, Mike, it's not a payout. You're beholden to the whims of an ICBC adjuster for the rest of your life. And I'll, I'll get to that. But what no fault is... Well, isn't it a doctor, though? Income? I mean, an- another way that the government's, I guess, communicating this is they're saying, like, no, it's not going to be ICBC telling you what you can or can't have. We're going to be listening to your doctor. And and that's how it apparently has always been as well. Um, And it sounds great on paper, but this is the reality, Mike. No fault eliminates any compensation for a victim's pain and suffering unless the injuries are catastrophic, like quadriplegia. And the NDP's assurance of increased benefits, it provides little consolation to an injured victim who will now be at the mercy of an ICBC adjuster that can still cut off physiotherapy or disability payments as they see fit. And last year, ICBC introduced their care model. They call it a care model. Increased benefits, they said. No user fees. Well, listen to your doctor. You get a doctor's note, we're going to give you treatment. That all sounds well and good until a few months of physio go go by and you ask ICBC for an extension. And let me give you an example. I've got a client who's still off work. She's struggling around the house after her accident six months ago. Just last week, her physio emailed the adjuster to request funding for 10 more physio treatments. In the email, the physio makes clear our client is still off work. She's in pain. She, she's limited in her mobility and her ability to, to, to maintain the house. And in response, the adjuster said, ICBC does not pay for pain management and suggested the physio simply show our client the exercises so she can do them herself at home. So much for the new care model. And okay. ICBC's response on this was not an outlier. I see similar examples of this on almost a daily basis in my practice. And this is the point, Mike. Most people have heard and many people have personally experienced how poorly ICBC treats injured claimants. And and, and ICBC employs a stable of doctors who have been repeatedly discredited by the courts as biased and ICBC advocates, yet ICBC keeps using them. This has been the culture inside the ICBC monopoly with lawyers and judges to keep them in check. Now, just imagine how much worse ICBC's conduct will get when there's no one left to hold them accountable. Now, to your point, Mike, you say, well, EB says, don't worry, because with no fault, we're replacing the care model with an enhanced care model. And guess what? Instead of lawyers and judges to keep ICBC in check, I'm going to appoint a fairness commissioner. I I mean, George Orwell could not have come up with better monikers himself. And when EB says this time it'll be different, because we're going to change the culture at ICBC, he's either fooling himself 
where he's trying to fool the public so he can okay. win next year's election. Okay, well, do you think they're they're also fooling the doctors of British Columbia and the Disability Alliance of British Columbia? I mean, I spoke to the president of Doctors of BC on the show the other day, and she said she likes what she sees here. She represents advocating for patients who are injured in car crashes. She likes this increased enhanced care model. Uh, and yeah. they're on the and they're back in the government on it. The Disability yeah. Alliance of BC. This is the largest advocacy organization for disabled British Columbians. Again, they represent a lot of people who are injured in car crashes. They say they like what they see here. Are they being sure. bamboozled by the government here? Uh, yes, I believe they are because they liked what they they saw uh, from the last brochure about the increased three hundred thousand dollar benefits. But you see how that actually. Uh, unfolds on the ground. Uh, for instance, I've got a, a quadriplegic 25-year-old girl who last year she was a passenger in a car that crashed. She's in the hospital. I meet with her. I meet with the family, and I introduce them to an occupational therapist that I've been working with for many years on a variety of different files on ICBC claims. And obviously, this family, this client is entitled to occupational therapy, to ease in the transition back to her home, and to be the liaison with ICBC for funding. The adjuster on the file says, you know what, I know this OT. I don't like her personally. I'm not going to agree to fund the treatments and the care unless you go out and you find another OT. I'm not paying for her. Never mind that the, the, comfortable, the family became comfortable with this particular OT, uh, this adjuster. What's OT? What's OT? O- occupational therapist. Sorry. Say that again. What does what OT stand for? Occupational therapist. Right, yeah. Okay. And and this is important as well. And and it, this is something that the, that the doctors obviously aren't particularly concerned about, and and the physiotherapies. But yesterday, EB conceded a very important point about his no fault scheme, and this was reported by Rob Shaw in the Vancouver Sun. Right. The headline of the article is no fault insurance system to scrap payments for future earnings. And here's the gist. If you're a 20-year-old college student working part-time at Starbucks and you become permanently disabled in a car accident, your next 45 years of lost income will be determined by what you were earning as a part-time barista at Starbucks. Never mind that one day you would have gone to medical school, become a doctor, or you would have gone to trade school five years later and start a civil engineering business. If you're a single mom, you plan to re-enter the workforce once your kids were older and you're injured in an accident, you're not entitled to any future wage loss at all. Because, as EB would suggest, who's got a crystal ball? How could ICBC possibly know what you would have been earning had the accident not happened? And the answer is, the courts can. And the courts do, based on evidence from vocational consultants, economists, friends, and family. Judges assess an injured victim's future loss of earning capacity in every applicable case. And as a lawyer, my job is to make that case on behalf of my client when ICBC refuses to be reasonable. Oh, let's go to Joe in Pitt Meadows. Hey, Joe. Hi. Uh, yeah, it's my view that it's a rare day, and I, I can't frankly think of anything where the government can run uh, a business better than the private sector. I fully am in favor of full compensation. If I'm injured in an accident for some reason or other, it's not my fault. Why should I be capped? Why should I not be entitled to full compensation from the, perp- from the person who did me wrong? And I think, you know, thirdly, I think the lawyers are the scapegoat here. If ICBC made a reasonable offer to the to the uh, claimants, there'd be no reason to go to court. ICBC's yeah. issue is that they don't like the award the, court are, the courts are giving. The courts are the right. impartial uh, party here. And the last thing is on trust. Yeah. You know, it was uh, less than a year ago, uh, Evie's going on about the dumpster fire, the dumpster fire, and most recently, I, I thought he was making comments like, well, you know, we're almost going to break even this year when he gave us the impression that it was going to be decades away from uh, anywhere being close to the break even. 
So okay, trust that, is, is, is gone. Thank you for the call. Well, he did say that ICBC on, on, on track to turn a small profit this year, but he also said that if the government didn't do this, go to no-fault auto insurance, you would have been looking at a thick 36% increase in your auto insurance over the over the next five years. And I think that's how they're going to try and sell this to the public, is that they're, they're not only going to increase the benefits for people who are injured, but they say they will also cut your auto insurance next year. So they're going to freeze it at the current level this year, and then next year they're going to give you a 20% cut in your auto insurance. I mean, that's a, uh, you know, that's a spoonful of sugar there to make the medicine go down. And, and I wonder, Eric, for, for your thoughts, how, how do the lawyers fight against this? I mean, if the government gets the public, got the doctors on side, the disabled groups on their side, and they're giving people a 20% cut in their auto insurance, I think you got a tough fight in your hands. Right. And all we can do is tell the truth and try and uh, make sure that uh, the public knows the, the real facts. And, you know, this caller hit a couple points right on the head. You know, the first is fair compensation and the, pr- the principles yeah. behind that. You know, um, going back to that article that came out yesterday about no future wage loss, right. David Eby's response to this is pretty staggering. He says, compensating an injured person for lost future earnings is not what insurance is for. Well, well, this is what tort law is all about. It's to put a person in the same position they would have been in, but for the other driver's negligence. And, you know, British Columbians prided themselves in a system that held bad drivers responsible and made an injured person whole. And it's chilling that our attorney general, you know, who's recently lost nine constitutional cases in a row, does not understand this fundamental principle. And while the NDP broke their fundamental promise to keep this system intact. And, you know, in the article, E.B. acknowledges that there will be, quote, legitimate cases in sort of a gray category where some people will be negatively affected by the change. It doesn't sound very fair and reassuring to me. And, you know, nobody thinks they're going to be that person until they are. And so the reality is, is that this so-called enhanced care model is window dressing on a decision to strip people's rights and to exponentially increase ICBC's bureaucracy and power. Anyone who gets injured under this new no-fault regime will be entitled to nothing more than some treatment, maybe some wage loss, all of which is to be solely determined and cut off by ICBC without any oversight, checks, or balances by the legal system. And, you know, just imagine, Mike, you're, you're severely injured, you're disabled, and for the next 40 years, you are solely reliant, hat in hand, on ICBC to cut you a check every couple of weeks so you can afford food and rent. There's no settlement. There's what? no moving on from a claim or moving on from ICBC. Your life is beholden to the whims of an adjuster till, till death do you part. Welcome one more to no que- One more question for you as we run out of time here. Do you, think, do you see any vulnerability for the government here to have this no-fault system challenged on a constitutional challenge or otherwise? Well, we're looking at that, but it's, it's doubtful. But, you, you know, looking at Manitoba, I do want to mention Manitoba here, because that's the no less than a, We've got less than a minute left. Sure. This is the system EB says he's trying to emulate. Under no fault, the driver that hits you has the same rights to recover the exact same benefits you do, even though it's his carelessness that caused the accident in the first place. This is the fundamental purpose of our law, to cur- encourage individuals to take responsibility. And, you know, this matters. The data from Transport Canada shows that Manitoba is by far the highest casualty rates in the country. And you talk to people from Manitoba and see how they're treated in that province. You go on insurei.com. It's a website for auto insurance reviews. It's worth seeing how they feel. They're, tr- they're being treated by their company, that, uh, that, their insurance monopoly. The comments are quite striking. Thanks a, lot um, for com- thanks a lot for coming on. Out of time, but thank you for yours. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate okay, it. Okay, thank you. That is Eric Goodman. He's a personal injury lawyer.
uh, fighting back on the government's no-fault auto insurance.